Welcome to the Spotlight Series from the Do More Good Podcast. You're listening to the Do More Good Podcast. The Do More Good Podcast. Uh, welcome to Do More Good Podcast. Do More Good. Do Good, Do More. Do More Good Podcast. Do More Good Podcast. That's what you want me to say. Okay. You're listening to the Do More Good Podcast. The Spotlight Series celebrates the stars of the sector. We're taking 20 minutes to talk about whatever topic is on their mind. Head to domoregood.uk forward slash spotlight to find out more and book your own 15 minutes of fundraising fame. Okay, James, so we've got another brilliant guest for us who's been kind enough to, to join us today. Sophie Wallace, how are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? Yeah, we're okay. Just just crazy times, I think, for, for everybody. I was a little bit late joining the recording, so I'll just for that. <laughs> It's always me that's late, and now, yeah. for once, for once, exactly. it was with Kay Dizzle. Exactly, I'll take that. But Sophie, just just to start off, obviously, a really difficult time for a lot of fundraisers out there, and I guess the you know the background to these episodes is is to really showcase what it's like. What what's what's your current background, and and kind of what got you into the sector in the first place, and what have you been doing recently? Okay, so I've been in charities for about five years. I started a, a temporary job copywriting for a big sort of homewares retailer. And two years later, I was still there, was permanent, had been promoted and, and got to a point where it was going to be time to sort of take that either the next step into that sector. And I just knew that I didn't want to do that or make a change. And when you're getting stressed about things like curtains, it was a point where I was really like there's got to be there's got to be more to life than this <laughs> so I kind of I kind of fell into the charity sector really I just knew that I wanted to work in in something that wasn't based around selling people stuff and at the time I lived in the Midlands so obviously the amount of charity jobs that are around is a lot less and I saw this fundraising job and was driven very much by like, you know what, I like people and I like organising things and I like talking. I think I can do this. And I kind of went for it and got it. So I worked for Marie Curie for nearly two years as one of their regional fundraisers and absolutely loved it. So I was doing a lot of things around fundraising groups. I had 10 fundraising groups to look after who were incredible, running their various different campaigns in my county but then got to a point where I was like, actually, I think I want to be in London. Like, I think a lot of people make that decision around sort of 20, 24, 25. I was like, it's time to make the big leap. Sort of started applying. And then that's when I started at my current charity. Um, and I moved down, stayed in community fundraising and have been there ever since. Working on loads of different things with individual supporters who are doing in aid of events, which has been really, really varied from people doing month-long challenges like I worked with the Oxfordshire Fire Service for a while which was brilliant and also they have like a big bespoke challenge event that's like a five mile walk so I was organizing that I kind of put myself forward for it even though I had no event experience whatsoever and it was literally organizing the route liaising with all the venues and that was a less of a learning curve more of a learning mountain I, I think really but it was brilliant and really saw that grow over the past couple of years and then had just moved into working on some brand new things so setting up a, a fundraising group program that hadn't existed before and trying to develop some other areas and then that all came screeching to a halt in March um, as I'm sure 
I'm sure a lot of people will have the same kind of experience. I worked from home for a few weeks and then was put on furlough and I've been on furlough ever since. We are now going through the redundancy process, which is really sad to see. I've been there for three years and seen seen the charity go through a merger and, and really grow and become this this amazing organization that's just so different from how it was when I arrived and so to see them have to do this and it's a real restructure up to 40% of the staff are going to be made redundant and in an organization of around 60 to 65 people that's a huge cut it's really hard to see obviously on a personal level I am at risk but very highly at risk it's unlikely that I'm going to be staying and to see my teammates be affected by it as well and and just the whole direction of the charities had to be completely rethought out and it's been a difficult few weeks that's really hard when it's when it's 40 percent of an organization that's that's your colleagues and your friends and obviously you know people yeah. across the sector as well and they're all going through it does that make yeah. it easier or harder in most ways harder i think actually i have been asked oh you know, is it, is it kind of comforting to see other people go through that? And the answer is no, not really. There's obviously, with this whole process, there's a personal sadness. There's sadness for my, my friends who I work with in this charity or others, but also just generally to see the sector just get decimated. Having met so many fundraisers I and mean, people who work in all sectors of charity, I know the work that people put into it and... And to see so many charities have to take such massive steps back, like this isn't just a slight pruning, this is a complete change of direction for some organisations. And then also sort of on quite a selfish level, there's so few jobs going and so many people going for them and so many really talented people and so many people who've been on furlough for months and so have been doing workshops and getting experience elsewhere and doing all sorts of extracurricular activities I guess to, to add to them and so not only are you going up against maybe four times the amount of people you might have expected to in a normal situation but also people who so many really skilled talented people which is quite nerve-wracking really um, when I compared to when I looked at jobs when I first decided to move to London and there was like a thousand community fundraising jobs on charity job and it was really overwhelming to suddenly see that stripped down to about 10 and know that so many more people going for them is it's quite scary really yeah it certainly sounds like that from what you're saying sophie that you're obviously a passionate fundraiser and like many fell into the sector absolutely loved it loved the speed loved the variation there's so many good things to to being a community fundraiser especially where does that leave you, Sophie? I think you I mean you've touched on the fact that there's there is jobs out there, but they're obviously going to be it's going to be highly competitive to, to get them. You're going to have to stand out from the crowd in some way, shape, or form. You're going to have to differentiate yourself from everybody else. I guess you're at maybe a bit of a crossroads. Are you considering moving away from the sector and looking at where else you can apply those skills you've acquired? It's at the back of my mind. I don't want to leave the charity sector at all. I love it. This is, I would say that one of the lessons from furlough I've learned is I love fundraising and I love working in the charity sector from missing it. So I, I started doing some volunteering in July 
been working with Gunnersbury Park and Museum who don't normally do things like community and events fundraising things so it's working from scratch really and after the first phone call about it I was absolutely buzzing because I got back into it I was talking about like what you can do with supporters and I've been making phone calls to people and it's kind of reminded me after months out I, I do love this and I'm, I'm really keen to pursue it and stay in there because we're still going through the consultation process and there's still a bit of time for me I'm taking that time to really focus on maybe less jobs that have come up but ones that I really care about ones that I know I could do but they would also be sort of good for me as well and I will give myself a period of time maybe sort of a month to six weeks see how that goes and and then I'll reconsider where I'm going but in an ideal world I would like to at least stay in the charity sector, even if that means moving to something that perhaps isn't the next step that I would normally take. I just love working with charities. I love the people that I work with and, and that purpose that comes with it. Having, having worked really hard in a job in retail, I just didn't get the same rewards that I do from fundraising. So in an ideal world, I'll stay. It's interesting you're talking about different roles and, and, uh looking at different things you can do and whether that's maybe not a step forward in your career if you like we were just chatting earlier about how other people who have maybe kept their roles and they're changing so it's not good news for anyone no and and I think that's what's so difficult if you're in a role like like I am and, and and various colleagues and friends where you're you're very likely to be redundant in in the next month or so it almost feels like you sort of have a little bit of closure in a way because you're like, okay, this is what's happening. And now I'm going to move forward. And this is the role I'm looking at here. Whereas I think for the kind of people who are remaining, their jobs are changing. And that can be things like their entire team has been stripped away. So a manager role that's no longer a management role can often, I think, feel like a bit of a step back. I think that will be really hard or taking on different responsibilities that are not what you what you loved and I think the thing is the people who stay working at the charities that they're working at they're not actually necessarily staying at the same charity because it it could look really different and I think there's a collective grieving that's going on not only for the people who are losing their jobs but for people who are maybe staying employed but losing the job that they had and and loved and I, I think that's really difficult to come to come to terms with and in a way going into something that's a new role might be an easier reckoning process really because it's something that you are kind of facing as a, as a fresh challenge rather than trying to reconfigure something that you've worked in perhaps for several years now. I think it's really interesting actually what, what you've touched on and actually one of the other guests that we had in, in last week's episode spoke about around the fact that the society in general in the UK wants to give like we have this great history of giving to charities we have it's been around for a number of years and we're well established in the field and, and that's not necessarily going to change yet organizations are now making decisions and very tough decisions to, to to get rid of those people on the ground particularly in the area of community i'm just wondering if there's any thoughts that you've had about how you know if you've got that need for the public to give but you don't have community fundraisers on the ground because they've been furloughed or because they've been made redundant, there's going to be a gap there and something's going to fill it in the future. 
I guess, you know, <laughs> I appreciate this is a kind of a big question, but what is going to fill that gap? And I'm wondering if you've had any, any thoughts about what that could be. Yeah, I'm not really sure what will fill the gap, but there is going to be a massive gap. What's really difficult for organisations is trying to balance these kind of really quite short term decisions that ensure for instance, survival of the organisation for the next year, because otherwise it might, it actually might just not exist. But also balance it with something like community. And I, I think community is, is still going. People are still doing things. People have really made an effort and that will improve as, you know, I know things are sort of becoming out of measures and then they're going in, but that's something that people will fit around. Community is so flexible in a way that I think something like, you know, challenge events is gonna struggle more with. And I think you're gonna have a, a gap of being able to provide that support for people who want to do something more. And I think there will be a period where teams, community teams are probably gonna struggle managing those relationships and not being able to grow it because you're so stretched thin trying to firefight what's coming in rather than kind of actively going out. Something that I think is really interesting, the roles that I have seen coming up have been new community fundraising roles. They are in new teams or they are teams that are being heavily invested in and expanded in, in quite often things like homelessness charities, food poverty, NHS charities, areas that have had a lot of awareness and focus over the past few months and have obviously made those decisions to invest and I think that's a really brave decision but I think it's a really good decision because that's an opportunity that's an area that I think you could easily see a lot of growth very quickly for actually not a lot of input I think that will be driven by the supporters and if you can't if you are somebody who does a lot of running and cares about a charity and you think I don't know what's going to happen with events next year but I'm going to set myself a challenge and do some fundraising anyway I think that's something that could be really capitalized on and I, I think that's what's really going to be missing with the amount of community fundraisers who who are unfortunately being being made redundant and I don't say that against the organizations who are making the choices and I know they're facing really difficult difficult decisions but it, it, I think sometimes it can feel a little short-sighted I mean my hope from that is that then in sort of six months nine months perhaps suddenly that section will grow again and, and they'll see that and there'll be those roles and that investment there but it, it's really hard to tell I'm just wondering as, as you're talking there and, and it's as we just touched on that the, there's going to be a gap there's a need for people to want to support charities there's a need for charities to drive as much income but at the moment they don't have the resources or the or the the, the business case doesn't stack up. I wonder if there's a scenario where you can see in the future freelance community fundraisers kind of going down that route of a gig economy, right? Where you say, okay, I've, I'm a community fundraiser. I've got X number of years of experience and skills in growing relationships and getting in, getting, starting up support groups and starting up volunteer fundraising groups in dealing with small corporates. I, as a community fundraiser, have those skills. I can go and freelance my skills to maybe three or four organizations around my area. I can get up to speed on what all of their different propositions is. And then you could almost operate as a freelance fundraiser because ultimately, I guess I'm trying to think of what is the decision behind getting rid of the fundraisers. It's a, it's a business decision, right? It's a, a cost versus income decision. If you could go to a, a charity and say, look, I'm not going to give you any 
day rate, whatever it might be, de-risk having someone as a full-time employee, but you say, you know, I will hit these types of fundraising numbers because essentially that's what we're all talking about. When you you break it all down, it's about how much does this fundraiser cost and how much do they bring in? And then is that a risk I'm willing to take? I wonder if that could become something that we could see come out of all of this. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I think this is really a really pivotal moment for the charity sector. And that's definitely something that can be seen. People who are either freelance or more sort of project based, more sort of like fixed term contracts, but specifically on going in and project managing something, because there are going to be times, even in a normal fundraising year where you don't have huge global pandemics or political upheaval or, you know, you know, whatever. But there are going to be times in a year where you're you're much quieter than in others. And also the setup, I think, sometimes for campaigns can often be so much work. And that's kind of a full time role. But then once it kind of sets off, the actual workload doesn't decrease, but it becomes something that maybe one person can manage. So I, I really wouldn't be surprised if, if that's the kind of thing, even in, in sort of the short to mid term that we see is more roles kind of being advertised to work on specific projects with specific skill sets which is really interesting I'm not really sure how I feel about that as somebody who is a person who likes security and and has only ever worked in sort of like permanent roles basically I do think it's definitely something that will come as and I think there'll be the growth of a lot more kind of local community-based organizations if if not necessarily charities but organizations who need that support kind of quite short term or for six months we're trying to set something up and I think that's what's been really interesting about Gunnersbury Park Museum where I was volunteering who have their own income streams kind of quite separate but they're seeing that local public support come on because people have been able to visit that's been their like hour of exercise a day for instance during March that's where they're able to go and they're really seeing the impact that their local community can have and I I think there'll be other organizations so it might be a move away from a a sort of typical you know health charity or something and and more into those kind of community-based companies or or organizations which will be really interesting to see objectively. Yeah well there you go Sophie maybe that'll be what comes out of this. (laughs) Before we let you go Sophie there is also good news in your world you've just agreed on buying a new place Yes. Go back to to being stressed about curtains. Yes, that's true. That is true. At least this way I won't have to write about them and trying to create an image for customers to see them in their own home. I can just go into the shop and be like, I like this colour. So (laughs) so the good thing is there's there's been other exciting things happening in my life, which has been really good. I'm studying part time as well. So it has given me time to to really work on that. Um, So I'm, I'm trying to see the positives. And I'm trying to see it very much as an interesting learning time, but it, it is hard and it's difficult to see lots of other people go through it at the same time. Well, look, Sophie, we'll, we'll wrap it up there and, and let you get on. Thank you so much for, for coming on and, and sharing that with us. It sounds like, again, your, you know, your passion and enthusiasm for the sector comes through. And I'm sure it's been a, a difficult few months, but, you know, it's great to see you remaining positive and, and I'm sure that'll help others as well. So if anyone wants to find you, where can they find you or connect or anything on LinkedIn um, or anything like that yeah I'm on LinkedIn I mean there's lots of Sophie Wallace's I think it's Sophie Wallace 30 or people can find me on Twitter at SL Wallace come chat brilliant lovely stuff <laughs> thank you thanks Sophie 
Thanks for tuning in to the Spotlight series from the Do More Good podcast. You can find our main episodes at domoregood.uk and we're on Twitter and Instagram at domoregoodpod. If you fancy featuring on Spotlight, then head to domoregood.uk forward slash spotlight and get in touch. We'll speak to you soon.